What up, guys? You guys are in the back of the van right now on tour. Uh, you're about to listen to Anthony Killington, Anthony Kamanali, Raw Deal, great friend of mine. Um, I did this like seven, eight months ago. Since then, I know what I'm doing with the sound and uh, how to work all the uh, levels. But when I did this, when I didn't, so I apologize. My man Joe Vasian, my man Tucci did their best to uh, fix the sound quality of this. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much. Anthony, thank you for being on the podcast. Anthony Kamenali, my friend for many, many years from Killing Time. Um, thanks for being on here. I, what I was doing, I, I talked to Pete yesterday. I talked to Devil. I talked to Squirm. Freddie, Matt Henderson. I'm just kind of doing some reminiscing of when I first moved to New York and met all you guys. And I definitely have some great memories with you. Um, one for me was I had a brand new car. I was sitting in front of the, um, the GB house and you're playing me the Bright Side album. Um, I forgot what car that was, but... Um, do you remember that? Probably a Jetta. The Jetta, yeah, it was the Jetta. Yes. Um, and you were like you you were like a, the only one of the only responsible people that I met there. You had a, you had a, you had a job, you had a car. You were like, you still played music, but you were very you're like a responsible working class guy. And I always thought that was fucking awesome. Um, but do you remember the first time I met you? Yeah, you lived in a closet. <laughs> so it was Jackson. It was Jackson Heights. Yeah, in the GB house. Yeah, as the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you look right around a block from Burger King. Yes, Murder King. Yes. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, some a of those. What's that? I said a couple blocks away. Yeah. Yeah, and so and some of those earlier, earlier shows. I think was Raw. Was it still Raw Deal at the time? No, in '88. Yes, that's when we first started. Oh, you started in '88. Uh, I think '87. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, I went up to practice with those guys. The breakdown had just broken up. I had just gotten uh, thrown out of uh, Token Entry at the time in '86. Wow. So. Yeah, I always I always forget you in Token Entry because I I moved to New York to live with Timmy Chunks. Obviously, he was a singer at that point. Um, and then, what were you were you born in Queens or not? Yeah, Jackson Heights. Okay. Um, so did did you meet did you meet Siv and all these guys early on, or you didn't meet them too? Like. Like when you first started coming around, were you hang? Did you meet these guys first? Yeah. Well, I uh, hung out with this guy, Big Steve, and uh, you know, not too many other guys from Jackson Heights at the time. And then uh, I met uh, when I was in Gilligan's Revenge. Uh, I met Arthur, and through yeah. Arthur, you know, he was uh, became kind of friendly with uh, Siv and them when they first started hanging out. I guess around eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, and then I, we met Walter. I think I met Walter first through Arthur, and then we met Shiv, and then they were practicing the gorilla business. Were the the first one, the the first. Uh, I can't think of the word. The first phase of the group was uh, phase, practice yeah. right down the block from the pyramids. Oh wow! Astoria. and they had that guy. Uh, some some they had a, they used to make fun of the guy GM two days ago. It was like a Greek kid, George something. So uh, Walter actually had a rap that was pretty funny. Uh, I mean, you got to get him to do that rap. Yeah, I will. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, and, and so, what what got you into the, what got you into this type of music? Was it was it do people at school? Like, how did you find out about like just like the hardcore music? Was it just through friends? Well, yeah, it was like uh, in seventh grade. There was a kid who had a, a Sex Pistols. Uh, sticker on his book or nice. I don't even remember what he had on so I was making fun of him because I grew up in uh, Saxon Heights where I grew up was uh, you know a lot of people were into disco and you know it's pretty predominantly black Spanish neighborhood so I grew up in 
you know, listening to disco and everything like that. And I, I was making fun of the guy. And then I went home and, you know, there was like an alternative station, like a college station, I think NYU. And they played uh, God Save the Queen. Wow. That's that the first time I ever heard something like that. And I was like, wow. I was mesmerized, you know, and he said, oh, that was God Save the Queen by the sex of the best thing I ever heard. Oh, so, you know, I was into that. And then, then in 81, uh, I get into high school and I meet EJ, who lives out in California now. Uh, his name's, uh, you know, his name was Eddie Baca, we used to call him. Yeah. And uh, he thought I had a sex pistols patch on. He goes, oh, you like punk? You can listen to this. So he came in the next day. He made me a, a, a mixtape of like a group sex album and uh, Black Flag. And all the, you know, the Mighty Threat single, the yeah. single, Necros. And, and, you know, as soon as I heard it, I was, you know, addicted. That's fucking and, awesome. You know, that was him. Um, and so, so and so, give him credit. Yeah. Without him, I would have never heard of it. That's amazing. So, how, how were you in high school? Were you like a good student? Did you get good grades? Did you graduate? And... Uh, yeah, I graduated at the bottom of the class. I never, you know, never took it serious. Never, you know, never started, did homework uh, right at the beginning. I regret all of it, but. Yeah. You know, did you go to once I got, you know, once I went to the community college, I failed out of that the first time. Oh, shit. I was, but failed out of 13th grade. <laughs> 13th grade. <laughs> so what, what did you want to do at that point? Like when you were out of school, did you just write to work right then or? Yeah, I became a, a tin knocker. I was a, a local, uh, what was that, 128. It was like a sign maker's. And okay. I hated it. And I said, oh, you know, I always wanted to, ever since seeing Trading Places in uh, 19, I guess the movie came out around 85 or so. Yeah. And saw the end of the movie when they were trading futures. I said, oh my God, I want to do that. Because like, you know, it seemed like an extension of hardcore. Yeah. And it was like Wall Street and things like that. So uh, I wound up having to go to school at night to get, a, you know, just enough to get out of community college. And then I went full time for like two years at Baruch. And I uh, had a professor who told me, you know, I sat in the last corner seat. And he said, the last kid that sat in there failed. And I said, don't worry, I ain't failing. So he goes, if you get an A, I'll get you a job oh, on the floor. So I got an A and he got me a job. And, you know, I was lucky to get that job. I beat up some kid from Dartmouth and stuff like that. So wow. it made me feel good. And then uh, within a year, I was trading. Wow. You know, so what, years, what years was that? What did that start? Uh, I think uh, I started trading probably in 92. Uh, right before I started trading, I started working there in 92. And then what was the first trade center bombing? 93? I think yeah. 93, I was going, I went in the ring like a month after that. And I, I was going across the street to lunch when, when that bomb went off and they didn't wow. close anything. We went back to work and they go, everything's fine. And the next thing you know, they made us run out of the place. <laughs> you know, we're going to out and stuff like that everybody leave. So. Wow. So and so, and so when did, when did the bright side come out? Uh, 1988, I think. Holy shit. Was it 88 or 89? 89, maybe, yeah. I mean, we caught that whole wave of uh, when they were trying to, you know, everyone was trying to get bands, you know, because of the whole crossover thing, I guess. Yeah. You know, we got signed and was sick of it all at the time to Relativity and, you know, Leeway and uh, Murphy's Law and Chromax were on profile. So they were like, you know, just going to grab everybody, you know? Yeah. Whatever they could get their hands on. Yeah. And that, so that we lucked out. Yeah. And that record, man, shit, I think the record stands on its own as like a, a, a hardcore masterpiece, I feel. The guitar playing, just everything about that record is just a a solid, perfect record. Um, do you remember making that record or how long it took? Or Yeah, we went up to the place that uh, Sigurd All went to, uh, Tom Sores. Yeah, Tom Sores. Pretty good you know, at the time. Uh, it was in, uh, what was it called? I forgot what it was called, but it was up in uh, 
Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah. And it was weird because I, we, we were by the place. I think one side of the street, a couple blocks away, was Rhode Island. And as soon as you went across the street, it was Massachusetts. I, I don't know if I remember that correctly. Oh, shit. But we drove up, you know, we drove up and on the way home, uh, you know, Lou came with us to do background vocals. You know, we spent the weekend there. It was pretty good. And then on the way home, we're speeding and, and uh, you know, big, you know, Rich is in the car in front of me. Yeah. We get pulled over by some, like, I, I didn't know who it was. I thought some psycho was yelling at us because, you know, it wasn't a cop car. It was like a Grand National GNX. Oh. I was like, you know, screaming in my mirror. And then I kind of see a light on the dashboard. So he pulls the boat over and Rich is like, you know, gives a shot. Oh, I'm sorry, officer. So the cop comes up to me. He goes, oh, today's your lucky day. You're getting the ticket, your friend's <laughs> So I got the ticket. And then, oh, uh, shit. That was it. Oh, shit. So, um, so when that record came out, because um, I know how now it's like, now obviously it's a classic and people love it. And a couple of people already mentioned this on the podcast about the importance of the right side. Did you realize what kind of record you make and the impact it was going to have? Like when it first came out, was it a, was an initial great reaction to it or just like you just put a record out? I was, you know, I was surprised because, uh, you know, I came out of Token Entry, which at the time wasn't, you know, it was kind of before the crossover, so yeah. you kind of had the old kids that were into hardcore were, you know, were dropping out of the scene, and the leftovers really didn't seem to be too into it. And then afterwards, you know, once the crossover kids started hanging out, it, it became a big thing. So I was kind of shocked because, like I said, when I was in Token Entry, when I got thrown out at the time, it was it was like we were actually finally starting to get crowds. So when I got locked out and got in this band with, with these guys, yeah. with, uh, you know, Carl and Drago and Rich, it, it, it was a total shock. You yeah. know, because all of a sudden we were doing, you know, Cigarette All helped us a lot, you know, playing with them everywhere. Every weekend we'd go somewhere with them. And, uh, you know, I, we started getting a big response all the time. So I was, you know, pretty impressed. But you know me, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm a very pessimistic person. So I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, what people like us and things <laughs> like that. You know, but, um, and then you, you know me, I, I always think no one's going to be at the show or this and that. And then you guys, did you guys did that seven inch too, like California? Was it you guys in Vision, <laughs> right? In California? It was like a seven inch. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we had a good time. That yeah. was the what do you what do you call it? Came out at that time the social because we were listening to it the whole way. Me and Dave, rest in peace. And, yeah, uh, Squirm and uh, what was it that uh, the one with the Johnny Cash cover on it? I can't. Oh, social distortion, right? Was it between between heaven and hell or? Um, nah, but I, was that the one like right after they got back together again? Like oh yeah, came out I guess in '87 or '88. It had a. Uh, is that Prison Bring Bound? Fire on it, Sick Boy. Oh yeah, yeah I think it was yeah. right after Prison Bound. Yeah, it was a great record. That's a great band. Social Distortion is one of the greatest, man, for sure. P- people don't mention them in their top, oh, yeah. like punk bands, but they're in my fucking top for sure. Oh, without a doubt, they're very influential. You know, because a lot of people forget. You know, uh, the early hardcore. You know, came from punk. Those guys were punk. You know, yep. they're not really have any metal whatsoever. Nope. You know. At that point, things went, you know, either you went punk or, or you kind of went towards the crossover thing, which, which is kind of weird. Yeah. You know? I mean, in another state of mind. Because hardcore's not really, okay. I, it's really more metal than anything, I would think, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. I think this would separate it from punk rock. Um, but another state yeah. of mind was incredible, man. That shit was such an amazing visual and audio to have in VHS when I was a kid or Night Flight. Yeah, no, I read, I read that's what turned you on when you saw that. Yeah. I read it the other day. Yeah. So good, man. That was like that was so that was so impactful back then. Those kind of videos, but I I always like the West Coast stuff too. Even living on the East Coast. Um, oh, me too. Um, and so when you guys was what's what's the furthest that Killing Time went this far? I know you guys went to Europe too. Was that in the nineties too? Yeah, they went without me. I, I, oh, that's right. It's Dave Vision saying. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, Dave Vision sang uh, one tour, and then they went to Europe again with uh, Steve Murphy from Uppercut. And oh, now he's in a band with them now. So they have a metalish band called Kings Destroy with Carl and Seawolf and uh, Steve Murphy, which is a great band. So you yeah. check it out. It's called Kings Destroy. Okay. And then uh, then they went to Europe with, uh, then they went to, to uh, Japan with Steve Murphy singing. Holy shit. Why couldn't you yeah, go just because of work? No, I, I just hate to fly and stay at the death of it. Damn. And then I said, I said, whoever, you know, I, I keep toying with the idea of going, you know, because I feel bad. And then every time they say, if I get on the plane, whoever's on with me, who's good, you know, people pay to go down. <laughs> you know, and I tell, I tell, I tell my wife all the time, I, you know, every time I see everyone's Facebook, uh, Facebook or Instagram posts, I say, I give all these guys credit. You know, it's, it's like how they get on these planes and it doesn't bother them. I, I say, I love it. I wish I could do it. Yeah. You know, I love seeing all my friends. I mean, all, how many of my friends are in bands and stuff and, that you guys are all successful and constantly doing what you love and, and making a living at it. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Thank Who would have thought that? It's, it's fucking crazy. So you never tried flying or like taking any medication or anything? No, I flew a couple times. I just, you know, once, once those doors close and it starts revving Dude. up, I'm like panic mode. I feel you. I have the same kind. Of, I know Jamie Josta had it for a long time. They had to drug him to put him on planes. Now he does it, but he got hypnotized or something. He actually talked to me about getting hypnotized because... I, I I'm not oh, really? scared. I'm not yeah yeah and I'm not scared of crashing. I just I hate like you said as soon as they lock those doors and you're in your seats and and you can't get up and you can't go to the bathroom you can't anything. I feel like you're powerless up there because they can tell you to do anything you can't resist or even say no because then you get when you land they'll fucking arrest you. Even just having an opinion it's yeah, no, I, it sucks yeah, I man. Don't like, uh, I don't like anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> so have you been well, here? Probably you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Flew about ten times, but yeah, I've been to Europe. With, you know, I've been to Ireland and uh, Italy. You know, with, yeah. with uh, my wife and stuff. But other than that, no. Wow, it's crazy, man. So you never got to go with your band. That's it's wild, man. Yeah, no. Wow. So what? Wa- so you, so you still had the you're working on Wall Street and playing shows. I thought that was pretty amazing back then. Yeah, it was good times. Yeah, and then. Um, what, did you did you guys were you ever like a did you ever do f- like longer tours back then too? It was hard to do it at that point. Like not not flying, but like a, like two weeks here through the U.S. and stuff. Yeah, you know we we did a couple. You know, nah, not really. Probably most of the stuff we did was like a three day weekend type of stuff. You know? Yeah. Was there ever, it was there ever a part? It was ever a part of you that just wanted to like go for it and just really just do it, or you just you just wanted. No, nah, because I, ne- I never got in a band for, you know, for that reason. Yeah. You know, and at that time, there was no, you know, really wasn't, I didn't see any future. And not that that's what I would have done anyway. Cause yeah. I wasn't, you know, I was always the kind of person to play it safe. Yeah. Which in retrospect is pretty funny how I played it safe. And I'm in no better position than anyone I know nowadays, you know. Yeah. After, you know, the Wall Street thing going electronic and losing my career. And now, you know, now I'm a bricklayer. It's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I could I say, oh, shit, look what happened. When, when when did that go? When when did that crash? I mean, that's that's the big famous crash. Obviously, you were part of that. That's when it happened in like two thousand. What was it? Yeah, but see, I traded futures. I, I traded uh, energy energy futures. So uh, we never really got affected by that. What happened with me was, you know, we were in a ring which became, you know, a trading ring. Like I said, it was like a pit, like a, almost like a hardcore pit. Yeah. With the yelling and screaming, and you know, it became uh, obsolete with all the technology, internet technologies, and then. Uh, it went, we were side by side with the electronics and 
you know, then we just got to, you know, basically lost all the business. And I tried trading electronically and it didn't work because you couldn't compete with these, uh, these big companies using wow. these algorithms. I don't even know what an algorithm is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I kept thinking it was just a learning curve and, you know, two years later I <laughs> lost everything. So Holy shit. What year was yeah. that when it, when it finally was over for that? Uh, I think right after my, right around the time my mother died in uh, 2007 to wow. 2009, that whole time frame. Were you working downtown during 2000, during 9-11? Were you down there? Yeah, I actually lived right across the street. Holy too, also. shit. And I even crossed, yeah, right across the street from the Trade Center. It was weird. I, you know, I didn't even hear the plane hit, the first plane hit. I didn't even feel it, which is, which is unbelievable because I lived, like I said, right across the street. Yeah. And, uh, my mother-in-law had left them, you know, I had my music on, you know, loud. I was in the shower or whatever. And my mother-in-law goes, oh, you know, I left a message. He's got a plane hit the World Trade Center. So as I'm, you know, taking down the elevator, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, must have been like one of those small, uh, you know, small aircraft, yeah. you know, hit, hit a building, you know, no big deal. Yeah. You know, so I was just going to tell the guys that worked for me at the time, you know, let was just call it a day today. And then uh, I get out of my building and there's like, you know, hundreds of people crowding around the front, you know, the front area of my building. And, and I, uh, I see them looking up and I like, you know, scream and I look up, I see, you know, there's a gigantic hole in the building, flames oh, everywhere. And I, and I start seeing people jumping, you know, so I got, I turned my, put my head down right after that. And I was walking, you know, my commute to work was a two minute walk. I mean, across the street. Yeah. And I start walking there and then that's when I heard, you know, the, the craziest noise I ever heard in my life. And, uh, the second plane hit and I thought the building, you know, was going to blow up and everybody just went running in different directions. And Holy shit. You know, that was that. Did you and, go, did you, know, you I was did, on the FDR. Yeah. Did you, did you run? Oh, you went the FDR, like you got in your car and you took off. You mean? No, my car was in the garage. Oh I lived, shit. Like I said, I lived there. So my yeah. car, you know, got the stuff. My car was full of that, that junk. Damn. And then, uh, you know, we saw the building collapse when we were on the FDR drive, you know, it's the, the craziest day of my life, you know? Holy shit! And then did you did they, did they shut down everything down there for like you can go back to work after that? Was it shut down for a little while or? Yeah, I couldn't get my apartment for about two months. Holy so shit! I, you know we have events that just moved out, but you know being that we were the exchange, you know, and you know an important part of uh, you know world economy yeah. at, at that point, you know, energies, and let us actually go back to work the following Monday, which was you know no one else was down there except us and maybe. Oh, uh, the stock exchange and the people, you know, trying to, you know, clean up and, and find people after 9-11. You know, we had to take the ferry to work. It was very high security. It was crazy. Then eventually they let us go from 14th Street. And then a couple of weeks later, it moved to a canal and you had to walk down. And, you know, it's just little by little. Wow, man. I can't even imagine. Like, being like a week later, it must have been fucking still crazy there. Like, dust everywhere and all that shit. Like, because, yeah, I think somebody told yeah. me like, yeah, the, car, the car was like, at the bottom of a building in a parking garage when they got it months later, it was like, yeah, all that, all that soot and that, all that stuff from the buildings was inside the car. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, the funniest thing is they, they let me take my car. I, I heard eventually people got their cars quarantined. I, I drove around with this shit. Who knows what's in my lungs? Whoa. So I, uh, I get in the car, you know, there's like a, you know, a couple inches of dust in it, you know, cause they will park the cars and your windows open. So I tell her, you know, I get to 14th street, which was the cutoff, you know, and they sprayed my car with water. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? They go, oh, I go to the car wash. And I was, oh, I was like, what, are you kidding me? I did. Oh. And they had these people cleaning the apartments wearing like a little dust mask and, you know, wiping it down with like uh, paper towels and Windex. I said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Holy shit. You know? But, yeah, uh, fuck. Um, crazy. That is so crazy. Um, so, so as far as like, 
what, what you're doing now. I know your father, you have a family, which is amazing. All of us have kids now. We're all like grown up dudes, but I feel like we're also big kids. And, um, and do, do you feel like you carry, obviously, as, as an adult, as a parent, maybe a husband, everything in your life, like the values that you learn from being a punk rocker and a hardcore kid? Do you think you, you carry that in your, your whole entire life, even when you're on the stock exchange, all that? Oh, yeah, of course. It's, you know, like they say, punk, hardcore, it's a way of life. And it always is. You know, it's always there. And, you know, I try and get my kids into it. I mean, I love how I tell Sharon, I'm jealous how your son goes with you everywhere. And, like, you oh, know, you're you like man. our best friends and stuff. Yeah. You know, and uh, my kids have no interest in the, in punk or hardcore or anything like that. None of it, huh? Yeah, you know, my daughter comes to see the shows once in a while, but that's it. And what do they, they must, they must bug out seeing you up there like, because you go hard in, in your voice, you know what I mean? Like, it must be crazy when they, when they first saw that your dad on stage doing that. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, because yeah, they don't pitch me like that. Yeah. Are they into, like, just regular music, like hip-hop and whatever's on the radio and stuff like that, or? Yeah, kind of. You know, yeah. my oldest isn't into music at all, so he just plays his video games. Yeah. It's crazy now, too, with the kids, too, just, like... It's, our, our kids will never like not see a world where there's no phones. Like they, they, we 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 knew life before phones. We knew like we're gonna go to a show. We'll meet you. We'll meet you at oh, the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. These kids. They, you know, it's unfortunate for them. And you know what are they gonna do career wise? I mean, this technology is great in one way, and it's you know killing us in the other way. You know, it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's. You know, your kids don't really go out to play. I saw the picture you had of uh, Max. You know, when, when you posted that, you know, he's not into that stuff. He likes to go out, hang yeah. out. You know, go eat, do this and that. Yeah, that's oh, it's been, it's great. Yeah, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they can't get away from these uh, these games and these phones. I mean, you go out and you see everyone's on their phone, walking down the street on their phone. This is it's sick. Yeah, I haven't been in New York in a while, so I'm sure people are walking with their heads down through crosswalks, through like busy Manhattan with cabs and shit. I'm sure there's so many people yeah. getting hit, man, for sure. Yeah. Thank God I haven't seen anybody. No, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like nobody's even looking anymore, so I've never seen New York. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. everybody. I, I mean, 99% of the people are walking down the street with the phones. I mean, homeless people walking down the street, they're texting their phones, you know? That's it's fucking insane. crazy, too. I don't know what the fuck, that, how that yeah. happens. Actually, I actually it's heard, the worst thing in the world. I actually heard that like what's up? I actually heard like some rich people give homeless people phones like little che cheap phones and they pay for them monthly so they can contact their families. I heard that out here. I don't know if that's true or not, like because I'm always wondering how really? yeah homeless people have That'd phones. Be a beautiful thing. Yeah, like just like a cheap monthly thing they give them. Like I don't know, it's it's crazy, man. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So sounds um, like something you would do. What's that? It sounds like something you would do. That yeah, I'll try, man. That's pretty cool. Those little those little burner phones and shit. Um, yeah. all right. So, so, so when you, when you're on wall street and doing all that stuff, I mean, you, you, you were probably, that was like almost like hardcore, like you were saying, cause you were yelling on there. I, could, I would love to see you like doing that. Cause you're the way your voice is and what you're saying, like it's pretty much doing the same thing, but getting paid to do your job that way too. Right. That's what pretty much why you chose that. Yeah. What you said, yeah. Fuck me. You ever lose that was your, funny. I took Arthur down here once and I tried to get him a job down here, but really? he wasn't too into it. Oh, yeah. shit. Did you ever lose your voice doing that shit or no? You know, some days where, you know, you, you get uh, very hoarse and the next day it's tough. But yeah. know, for the most part, not. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you had to learn. It's like, you know, like when you, when we sing, you had to learn how to, you know, do it yeah. the right way. So, you know, wind up, you know, getting the nodules and, and operations like a lot of people I knew down there. Yeah. <laughs> but what? the funny thing is about it, when people talk about Wall Street, they don't realize that the commodities exchanges like New York, Chicago, you know, they weren't, 
these weren't like, you know, most, except for the options guys, most of us were just, you know, regular people. You know, they were a lot of kids, you know, didn't even go to college, you know, it's just kids with common sense or, or, you yeah. know, whatever. It was like a blue to blue collar version of, of wall street. You know, we got looked down on, you know, by those guys, you know, the suits See, and this and that. So yeah. it was like a totally, you know, these were like guys, you know, it was like guys you would meet at the track or whatever, you know, just like regular street guys. Yeah. So you guys were kind of like the black sheep too in, in that part for sure. You know what I mean? Like they're pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I guess it was like the, the punk rock version of Wall Street. Yeah. And did you get, did you get Mark from Super Touch? I mean, not from Super Touch. Floor Punch was working out there too? Back then? Who? Mark from oh, Super yeah, Touch? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sorry, he, Floor uh, Punch. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he was on the Coffee Sugar Cocoa Exchange, actually. You know, wow. I was on the Mercantile Exchange, New York Mercantile. And it's funny, he's uh, in a construction business now. I, I ran into him uh, the other day, about a week and a half ago. On my job that I'm on now, he's in the, the safety part of it. You know, he works for uh, Scanster. You know, oh, I'm wow. Part of it, but oh, shit. Yeah, he's got a good, good good job going, you know. I wish I was doing his job. <laughs> you, you, you got him in there. You got him in there, though, right? Didn't you back then? No, no. His father-in-law was uh, oh, on the exchange. No, I met him on the exchange. Oh, okay. You know, I don't know. He came up to me. He goes, oh, are you in, uh, you know, killing time? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah, it's a hardcore and I don't even think he had the band at that time, and eventually he got the band. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I usually ask people at, at the end of the thing if you're optimistic or pessimistic, but you already, you already answered that question for me earlier. Um, oh, the glasses the glass is always uh, half empty. Yeah, you've, all, you've, all, you've yeah. always been like that. That's how you lived your life, right? And it's always worked for you, and you've always just... Yeah, yeah, well, you're like a realist. I think you're a realist. Yeah, well, a lot of it's an act. I mean, you know how I uh, my my posts and everything. It's you know self self deprecation is my thing. You know, it's, that's where my humor comes from. Yeah, and uh, and I, I tell tell people they got to listen to the me and uh, me and Vinny singing New York, New York on the on the end of the album. I don't ever get to that. Yeah, so like seventeen seventeen minutes into after the last track. <laughs> that's right, everybody listening. Anthony and Anthony Stigma sing New York, New York at the end of our first album. It's a hell of a town. I want to be a part of it, New York, New York. I want to wake up in a city that never sleeps and find the key of the hell, top of the list, a number one, king of the Dude, the first album recording was so fun. Thank you for being part of that too. Fuck, man, I got so many good pictures and memories from that. And you were still, you've always been supportive of H2O when we first started, man. All that shit. Always come up and sing "Friend" with us, and yeah, and, and I love. I talked about with, with everybody so far. Just me moving to New York and getting that tough New York love, like getting your balls broken. You know, the girly man from Maryland. They call me just fuck with me and shit. But you were always cool to me. You were always like, you broke balls, but you weren't as harsh as some other people. And um, you guys you guys took me under your wing, and I really appreciate that, man. That was oh, a good memory. It's family, bro. And it's family. Yeah. I, you know, think about it. I said that that uh, the Ray B's thing that we did, like the, the tribute. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, you know, who would have thought, you know, I know some of these people, you know, 37, 38 years, you know. I mean, I know yeah. you, 30, you know. 34 yeah. years or something like that close to it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Who would have thought? And, you, and you're still friends. I mean, yeah. Facebook and all of that stuff helps. 
Yeah. Because I live, you know, I live far out the island. I don't get a chance to really go into shows. It's so hard for me. You know, I get up for work at, you know, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, just to be in touch through Facebook and see how everyone's lives are going. And like I said, seeing, you know, you guys, Madball, AF, Jimmy and Murphy's Law, always on tour, sick of it all. I do all your love. I mean, I, I love it. You know, Thank you, man. Who would have thought that, you know? I know, like, man. I, you know, still have these connections. Yeah. It's you know, cr- I was talking about Pete yesterday. Family. Pete, like they're like 35 years in or Gnostic Front's celebrating victim and pain 35 years or something. It's fucking insane, dude. It's like lifetimes, man. It's like, and still, still trying to maintain that balance of being a parent and being responsible and, you know, come home to reality, paying your mortgage and taking your kid to school and fucking all that shit, balancing it all. Um, yeah, we're very lucky to do that, do that and try to have that balance because that's important too, man. That's what fucks up relationships too. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank no, I you. I wish I could go to the shows. What's that? You know, I said I wish I could just go to the shows. I mean, I know when you guys come to some come to New York, goes, I got to come down. I'll put you on the list, this and that. And I'm just like, it's just so hard to get. I know. <laughs> we got we got to come play Long Island, man. Yeah. Do you guys have shows coming up out east soon, or? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we're playing the Black and Blue Black and Blue Ball. Oh, that's right. That's I'm right. Really excited about. That's I'm awesome. Really excited about that. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be awesome. That, that's a great show. Those guys do a great job. And uh, yeah, I wish people would listen to the other records. I'm tired of doing Brightside. Yeah, I love the other records. Like awesome, awesome, man. What, what, yeah, my so, favorite is the Method. Yeah, the Method's great too. Yeah, I like Happy Hour too. I like yeah. all that shit. Um, what, what? So, so what's how many years has been out, uh, Brightside been out for now? It's over like 25. No, Bright Side, how many years? Oh, uh, Bright Side, we celebrated the 30th. Wow, dude. Uh, last, last year, two years. And, and, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, the set, uh, we played a show with, uh, what do you call it? Outburst in Brooklyn. Oh, shit. Sure, 30 years, a... believe it or not. Dude. Crazy. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, since... how long, you know. Yeah. Your first album was what? 26 years ago? 27 yeah. years ago? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Is it crazy seeing like the young kids singing? Those songs, like this, like 30, it's crazy. Like when I see you guys play at This Is Hardcore and shit, all the kids going off to those songs and there's such, there's new faces and young people still getting into your band. It's fucking wild, man. Oh, it's amazing every time you see that. And then, you know, and then it's funny because you see right next to them, you see, uh, you know, the guy from, you know, 30, 30 years ago. Along too. <laughs> yeah. Like, Look at this. this, is, this or or they're with their that. kids or like their dads now. They're bringing their kids to the shows. It's fucking nuts, man. It's like. Can you imagine if, if our dads went to a show? No. My father would never go. No, dude. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it's crazy, like, how... about going down to a show. How, you, your dad, used to, dad came to your shows before I seen your dad at your shows back in the day, yeah. Yeah, my dad and mom came a couple yeah. times. Yeah. sister's always, you know. What did they think about it? Did, did they thought it was crazy? No, they loved that. I, you know, my parents, I mean, you remember coming to my house. Yeah, man, like, yeah. You know, they, you know, they were, you know, like like everyone's parents. You know, my parents, you know, made you right at home, and you know, they saw everything. Gilligan's Revenge, Token at you, we practiced in the basement. Those were kids coming in with hair, going out with shaved heads. You know. <laughs> <laughs> was, a barbershop down there. You know, my mother fed them all. You know, Squirm and Chris Warren used to call. You know, they knew Tuesday night was uh, chicken cutlet night. You know, Squirm would come over. Every, Look for an excuse to come over on Tuesday nights. That's amazing. You know, after every holiday, we always had what was always at our house. You know, stigma, you and stigma, and yeah. Freddy, You know, it's amazing, man. It's like everybody had everybody had families and love at home and different kind of structures, and we came from different sp- spots. But like, it was a total brotherhood and family for sure, no matter what. Like you said, like it was open house at your house all the time. It was like a, it's amazing, man. It's like those memories are just so important. You know what I mean? Like. 
Yeah, I, I, I think about them all the time. It's amazing. Like sometimes you hear a song. Like I said, I was telling you that that uh the the social D album. Yeah. Every time that comes on to my iPod, I immediately think of Dave and Squirm and we're yeah. sitting, you know, sitting in that van, you know, having a good time and you know, Dave rest in peace and Yes. You know, I'll hear I'll hear one of the songs from the first tape, you know, that that the that, that EJ gave me and I'll think of him and I remember seeing him walk down the hall skanking. He had a, you know, a crew cut, and I was like, who the fuck had that back then, you know? <laughs> and so they always bring back the memories, you know? Same yeah. thing with the swing scene, you know, part of, you know, part of the swing scene. It's like, it was, which is funny, like most of the, the swing scene people were original, you know, punk guys. Right? Yeah. I think uh, the singer from Big, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, he was in a punk band, I can't remember the name, but the guy that's, the guys that started World Crown Review was Eddie Nichols, was a old right. head from New York. And yeah. And the Stern Brothers were, you know, you forget guys were the ones that started Raw Crown with you. Oh, you know? shit, that's right. They put it and I'll hear those songs and think of the first time I heard them. And yeah, it was the Stern Brothers and uh, Eddie. Wow. Yeah, what, what got you into the swing? I was going to ask you that. Like, you totally, you were full on swing. Like, you totally, like, embraced that and got into that. What do you think it was, that connection for you? Because I remember all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, shit. I remember, like. I would, you know. I took dance lessons, you know, when I uh, when I was going to get married the first time, and you know, there was kind of we me and Carl did an interview with some kid, and he was about to get married, and he uh, he had a the Royal Crown record, you know, the one with Muggsy's Move record, yeah, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, like the swing thing, and I, I said, really, I never heard it, and I went and listened to it, loved it, and, and saw how the scene had just started, and you know, people were dressed and the dance and then the whole aspect, it was like, you know, it was kind of like. Uh, you know, like an extension of uh, punk and hardcore at the time. You know, yeah. it was different. I mean, I got more shit walking around dressed the way I dr- dressed like I was living in the 1930s or 40s than I ever got dressed as a punk. <laughs> wow, you know, it was amazing. Getting, getting to moral arguments or fights with people who all dressed up than you know, and if you D- went out like dressed like a skinhead or whatever. Damn. It was the weirdest thing. I still got my clothes, but I'm still trying to fit in them after 20 years. <laughs> wow. Love to fit in my are, you still, are you still into that music and stuff? Still listen to it? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But my favorite is Jump Blues. Even back at the time, you know, even with the whole swing thing, I mean, you can't beat the Jump Blues. That was, you know, really good to dance to. And, and yeah. some of the best singers in the world. They were, you know, they used to call them the Blue Shouters. Yeah. Like Joe Turner and, uh, you know, Winoni Harris. Uh, and the list goes on and on. That's Beautiful awesome. That you found that kind of later, too, like in your life. It wasn't like, I think it's awesome, actually, like that. You, you, you found new music that you really loved and embraced. It wasn't just punk and hardcore. I think that's great. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. And I think Bob Eats was Bob Eats was into that too with you. Yeah, Bob Eats, Dan Cav. Yeah. You know, a couple of uh, Joe Riot, you know, a couple of these guys, Mike, uh, Polish Mike. You know, everyone was, you know, like I said, it was pretty much an extension of, you know, punk or hardcore. Most of the, the people that were involved in it. Yeah. That's amazing. It was always nice to see faces that you know. Yeah, man. You guys and you guys look good. You guys are dressed up, you have fun dancing. It was just like it was some grown up shit, I thought, you know. Yeah, it was funny. We got in a fight on my birthday when I was Pete. I, I, I wish I didn't talk to Pete. You could have asked him about the story. We're in John's <laughs> on 12th Street. We used to go there pretty much every night. It was my birthday, so Sharon kind of had a surprise little surprise thing for me uh, at John's on 30th Street. Yeah. So at the time, I had this Pete's old wife or whatever had on a this funny hat. You know, where, you know, we're walking out. You know, we're pretty, you know, pretty tuned up at the time, you know, drinking or whatever. My birthday. So we get out the front. There's like, you know, four guys and their wives or girlfriends, like, you know, eating. And then they start making phases of us out the window. <laughs> so Pete gets pissed off, comes in. I have this guy that I used to trade on the trading for. He's a big, you know, big Guido dude, Chris. And he walks in, and these four guys are like, you know, what are you laughing? He goes, hey, these guys look funny. So 
So, you know me, I'm drunk. I'm like, you know, what, what, what are we funny? You know, kind of like a Joe Pesci type. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Pete's like, you know, come on, me, you, and me, him, and him against you guys. And he goes, how about me against all you guys? And he just sat there like, him and him, you know, keeping their mouth shut. So, like, we were good friends with the owner. So, me and Dan go back the next day. We're like, you know, sorry, we wanted to apologize what happened last night. You know, we, we don't want to make a scene in the restaurant. He goes, no, I won't apologize for having assholes like that in my restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, those guys have no idea you how know, close they came. Yeah. We go there every weekend, you know, eating there. You know, they treat us right. We treat them right. We respect, you know how we are. We yeah. are respectful people. Totally. Uh, you know, it's fucking hard to hit some kid with a garbage can because we were on Avenue A one night after coming back. Arthur did. The lounge in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we were all dressed again. Same type of thing. People start making fun of us. <laughs> so I think we were in Odessa or, or something. I don't remember. And <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, there's some they're making fun of us through the window, so Arthur comes out catching the fight, which getting hit him with a garbage can. <laughs> Just that visual of Arthur holding a garbage can is amazing to me. Exactly. Can you imagine him picking up a garbage? No, can? man. That's crazy. Uh, that's right. Arthur was in the mix too, dressing too, dressed up and getting to that too. That was awesome too. Yeah. Remember, remember when we did uh, feed the homeless. Yeah. Yeah. With Ray Capo, Todd Youth, and. Uh, you know, Arthur and everybody serve. Yeah, what year is that? Friends. Fuck. 1988. Damn. Probably before I even got now. Probably like 86, 87, because I don't even think, uh, talking, I mean, uh, Raw Deal had started yet. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the beginning when, when Ray first, you know, started Utah today. It's crazy, man. It's so crazy, yeah. man. All the history and all the characters and everybody, everybody you met and grew up with and knew out oh. there. It's like, it's, it's the biggest character of them all, Vinny. The best, man, the best. You saw that that Godfather is a hardcore. You saw that, right? No, I, I haven't seen it. I don't have uh, what is it? I, Showtime, I, yeah, I it's, it's so good, man. Cable, yeah. <laughs> I got to rent it. I'm buying it. It's really good, man. You 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 gonna you know, love it? Um, I'm, I might be able to find a link for you. I make it send you a link for it. Um, right, great, greatest uh, guys in hardcore, dude. The best. I had, yeah, I remember AF man. Like always been the same dudes through everything. Always been nice and. Humble and fucking oh, yeah. real, and I have done nothing but good things about Agnostic Front, dude. Fuck, man. Yeah, you can't beat him. Any of you guys. The best, man. Well, I appreciate your time, Anthony. Taylor. I appreciate you being part of my life and and being so cool. Man, I moved to New York, and I'm, I'm glad I got the experience those early days with you, the right tracking, all those different shows. I went, I did a couple weekends with you guys. I remember, like Una Sound in Pennsylvania, wherever. Oh, dude, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Holy shit. Um, yeah, crazy things. Dude, crazy times back then, crazy shows, and um, yeah, man. Thank, thank, thank you for always being a, a good dude to me. And and, um, and Bright Side for me is one of my top top records of New York hardcore ever. It stands out on its own. It's everything. I know Hoya always fucking praises it as a big inspiration for Madball. Matt Henderson, Matt Henderson, Moon, Moon just came in the room and she said, "Me too." It's Moon's birthday. Happy fiftieth birthday, Moon. Moon's fifty today. Um, oh, she don't look it. She's doing good, yeah. She's so beautiful as ever. She still looks like the thank you, man. Oh, she won with that. I like that. Moon is yelled. Moon is yelled. Bright sides. Moon is yelled. Bright sides are favorite too. Um, Thanks, brother. Thank you. Give her my best. Give her a kiss for her birthday. I will, brother. And thank you for your time. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, Anthony. All right, love you, too. Love you too, love brother. You. Bye. Right. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. 
I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.